Hey, listeners. You're listening to Filmed in Canada, a podcast Howdy, y'all. about Canadian movies. There's lots of movie podcasts out there on the internet. Some of them are very funny. Thank you for listening to us as well. I'm William Leaf. I'm Alexander Garrett. And um, you made me laugh. So. Depending depending when you listen to this, uh, maybe uh, maybe Merry Christmas to you, listener. Um, depending on when we get to posting it, I mean. We're talking about a Christmassy type of movie. A little bit. A little bit Christmassy. I think, it's, I think it's a Christmas movie. It definitely starts on Christmas. Does yeah. it end on Christmas? Uh, no. No. Okay, but it starts on Christmas. It, I, yeah, this is going to be... Um, so this very well may be our Christmas movie podcast. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess all of it doesn't take place at Christmas, but enough of it takes place at Christmas. Yes, a good portion of it. Um, we're talking about um, from 2005, Crazy. Directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. Written by Francois Boulet and Jean-Marc Vallée. Um, I thought you were going to correct me about the title. Oh, yeah. You said it wrong. It's C-R-A-Z-Y. You should say that in French. You should say it with a French accent. C-R-A-Z-Y. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know much about the background? Did I say A? You said you say A. You said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very Western Canadian. It's French Canadian. Yeah. Um, we're. Uh, do you know anything about the background of this movie? No. No. Okay. Because um, I, I meant to look up like who the writers were, like whether like this is autobiographical or semi-autobiographical. I didn't do that, so just wonder if that if you knew anything about that, but. It uh, centers around um, a family in Quebec, uh, and uh, and one of their sons, one of the five sons, um, growing up in the uh, 60s and 70s. Well, I'd I'd say it prominently features two of the sons, but it's definitely focused on one. Yeah, it's kind of told from his perspective. He he actually he actually um, like he he talks as the narrator. Yeah, that's right. And 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 because uh, Jean-Marc Vallée was born in 1963, um, I just I, I wonder if you had any insight about whether this tied in with his own background yeah i i get that sense especially given that his first hollywood movie was dallas buyers club so it seems like he's i I don't know if he is is gay or bisexual or or somewhere if he's part of the lgbt community in any in any form but i i feel like he might be given his track record Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i don't know for sure either yeah but it it felt it felt autobiographical to some degree yeah or at least it had a lot of um what felt like authentic um personal moments or, yeah. or like um very uh yeah just really believable family moments that it just seemed like it was uh it was not completely made up mm-hmm. um so i think that's uh, to its credit uh jean-marc valet he's uh he's currently um really involved with little little so no not little big little lies big little lies which yeah. is on hbo that was yeah that was a miniseries mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's oh, was it going beyond a, a, a single season. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, and but then he's also he's also working on another miniseries for HBO, uh, based on Gillian Flynn's novel Sharp Objects. Hmm. Okay. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Um, other movies um, that he's directed, uh, like you said, Dallas Buyers Club, um, Young Victoria, and Wild with uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah. Demolition last year, with. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, uh, yeah. I heard that wasn't very good. Okay. I don't know if he's still based in Montreal, but he's from Montreal. But now he seems, like, really busy in, in like, Hollywood 
mainstream yeah. movies. Um, he and he and um, Danny Villeneuve. Danny Villeneuve kind of made their transition to bigger and better things around yeah. the same time. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, the thing that uh, f- what I was getting from uh, watching Crazy, which is one of his earlier C R A Z Y, one of his earlier uh, uh, directorial efforts, um, it's just it, it's really obvious how how he is a master of um, established ways of telling um, stories in movies. Okay. Um, it, what I mean is it just seems like it's really effortless um, the way that uh, CRA is at why that you experience it, the way that he tells their story. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can see that like Hollywood would just be like, this is a guy who can do all of our movies. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's nothing, there's nothing that seems like a little bit edgy or, avant-garde it just seems like he's he's like an old master almost immediately an old master at the craft and yeah. he can tell things he can tell things with without style getting in the way if that means uh, you get, i don't I, know about that you, you disagree <laughs> yeah okay all right um but um i definitely feel like the style gets in the way of ooh. certain elements of this movie okay all right yeah well um but i but but it might be a style that is established from from other movies or well yeah. okay let's get into it do you uh, do you want to offer plot synopsis or an entry point to yeah this? so zach is our main character he is born on christmas day or is it christmas eve i think it's christmas day this yeah yeah because yeah, it's the same day as, as jesus, jesus they, yeah. they make that connection yeah. and the and the young version of zach is actually played by um um emile valley who is um the director's son Okay, I didn't know that. And, and then the, the teenage Zach is played by Marc-Andre Grandin. Yes, who we've seen in Goon. That's right. Yeah, he yeah. was the, um, the, the sort of washed the, up the NHLer yeah. that, um, that the Goon is meant to protect. Yeah, that's right. Um, actually, now, now that you say that, um, like, is it autobiographical or not? I'm just curious to look up Jean-Marc Vallée's birthday to see if he was born on the 25th of December. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so Zach is the fourth of five sons in this family. Yeah. Um, the uh, the father is uh, Juvet and and the mother is uh, Lorian. Um, are you gonna explain the title? Yeah. So I guess it's revealed at the end of the movie that the title is an abbreviation of the uh, the five names of the sons that they have, which I never I didn't pick up on until like I was it, it was kind of in the back of my mind. Why is this a an acronym. Mm. What is that alluding to? Right. Um, but it, but it also, um, it's also reflective of a few other things in the movie. Well, I guess certain song choices ref- are, are related to that title, but, um, one in specific really ties in to various elements of the plot throughout the movie, which is a, um, Patsy Cline, Patsy Cline yeah. song named crazy. And, um, early in the movie, Zach, breaks this record as a form of rebellion against his father. And it turns out that it was this rare import that it can't be replaced. And he liked the version of that song on that record better than all the other versions because it was just had a different feel to it or whatever. Um, and so that becomes kind of a sticking point in their relationship or at least something that Zach tries to fix either, either at, in moments of, of, um, fantasy of of 
dreaming that he's that he's found this album or later in the movie actually finding it mm-hmm. um and then shine on you crazy diamond the pink flight pink floyd song which i like it's a good song um and do you mind if i add to the like show mark valet born on march 9th 1963 okay would, what would you like to add sorry um to the plot uh, or the story points yeah um so um i think also um significant is that zach may be gay he's he's kind of uh, discovering his uh, sexual identity over the course of the movie yeah but that is um um like that's that's a cause of friction in the family mm-hmm. um especially with his father gervais and uh and he gets teased by his uh his, his older brother, brothers his as brothers, well yeah yeah um it becomes more than just teasing with with uh, his one one brother uh, raymond raymond yeah yeah so so about growing up in this family in the 60s and 70s yeah yeah and 80s okay did you like it alexander i did is it one of the best canadian movies ever made uh well the the dvd box said it's like the best movie to come out of quebec in 20 years or something yeah yeah and it's on that top 10 of uh oh tiff's best canadian films list i see that's a survey of supposed experts in canadian cinema Uh uh-huh yeah um can i say maybe I think it's really good. This yeah. is, I think, actually, I, I just think this is like a, an, an excellent movie. Okay. Yeah, I was so I was really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, did you enjoy the most? I think the portrayal of the relationship within the family. I felt like it really tapped into the complexities of being in a big family. Yeah. Um, and the contradictions of your relationships. Mm. Um, like you, you talked about how how Zach deliberately um, broke his father's record. Um, there's there's tension between them, um, but there's also love between them. Yeah. Um, like, like the father, it, the father is acting like it would be the worst thing if Zach was really gay, but he never like, he never casts him out or he never like stops loving him. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, Zach when Zach introduces his brothers to the audience, he says, um, he says of Raymond, he's my moral enemy. Yeah. But it turns out like they are, they are each other's like best supporters, even though they're always fighting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, there's a lot of nuance to the characters, which I did really like as well. Um, the, and, and the mother, you know, she's, she's this devout Catholic, but she also, she even, she confides in the priest at one point about, you know, the, the potential, sexual identity of her son and the priest is like well you know it's only a sin if he acts on it and you know there she she understands that her religious beliefs are important but her love for her son is also important and so there's there's nuance there there's mm-hmm. uh yeah the the father the father specifically i i i found that he th- there's there's a lot of conflict with him wanting to kind of exist within the 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 hetero masculine norm that he should exist within as as uh, a man in Quebec in during that time but he also just has a lot of compassion for his son and he sees that he's he's talented at music and 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 the father himself wants to be a musician obviously or a singer and he's always taking these opportunities to to sing the same song at every christmas gathering and um so 
he can he can recognize that while his beliefs might be might be wrong or or sorry might might conflict with who his son is that doesn't mean that he won't try to hold on to that relationship and actually the the scene that kind of epitomized that complexity the most to me was when uh was when Raymond gets gets kicked out of the house for for dealing drugs um as a result of Zach telling some friends at school and that getting the revealed to the spread. um yeah. revealed to the the school principal um when when he's moving out um the mother's like helping him pack his car and everything so like there's 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 this idea that they need to kind of hold on to their morals, but at the same time, they still want to support their children mm-hmm. when they don't comply with those moral. Yeah, yeah. There's even the scene um, soon after that, like after Raymond's been kicked out, um, where the father brings some food mm-hmm. to his to his apartment, um, but then doesn't give him money. Doesn't he? I forget if he did or didn't. I think uh, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. No, sorry, sorry. Zach doesn't give him money yeah. later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I really loved how it showed, like you said, those nuances of the relationships, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think I think what the script has them do, and the and what the what the actors do, um, it it really sells that this is like one family. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, can I just uh, if I could just take a digression? Um, Digress away, my we're man. Talking about performances and stuff like that. Um, what did I notice? Oh, okay. So in the um, the 2006 Genie Awards, um, which are what again? I think I think that's like the general Canadian movie awards at the time. Okay. And I think it's I think it's been combined with something else right, currently. But um, but in 2006, it won the Genie for best motion picture, best costume, art direction, director, editor, um, sound, screenplay. And uh, the actress who played the parents won the acting awards. Okay. Um, so Michelle Cote as the father, and Daniel Danielle Proul, something Danielle, like that. Yeah, Danielle Proul. Yeah, there's he an X did. at the end for some reason. <laughs> as uh, as the mother, so she, so they won. Okay, sorry. So uh, Michelle Cote won best actor, leading actor, and uh, Danielle won best supporting actress. Right. And then in the at the Jutra Awards, which was which was the Quebec. Um, entertainment awards um, they pretty much repeated all the same wins except the except um, the two parents won awards for supporting categories yeah so, um, so uh, the, uh, just just an aside to say the performances are, are good in the movie and and uh, it was recognized at that award season yeah did valet win any directing or writing awards he won uh, uh, well at the genies he won uh, for screenplay the movie won screenplay, so he would have been part of that, and for direction. Yeah, and and at the uh, Jusras, he would have been right on. Um, so there's a lot of music in the movie. Did you like the music? I was um, I was a bit resistant at first because I felt manipulated by the music. Okay, but then, as you tend to. <laughs> sure. Well, let me. Okay, let me explain. What what movies do you not find the mu- music manipulative? No, no. Let like, me let me just. Uh, does, does Scorsese use music well in his movies? He does. Yeah. Okay. But I like. I guess I like being manipulated to an effect. Like if mm-hmm. it if it works for a reason, then I say, well, that was a good choice. Yeah. If it if it's not working, if it's not working for me, but I can, but I kind of feel like you're trying to do this to me, I get resentful. Right. right. So I think. Um, so what I mean is, 
this is a period movie, meaning it does not pl- not take place in contemporary times. Yeah. Um, and one of the easiest ways to signal to an audience this is in another time frame is to use music, yeah. use pop culture, pop uh, sorry, popular music of that time. Right. So at first, I just felt like okay, this is an easy way to to signal this is the '60s, this is the '70s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I was a little bit. Um, so when I say manipulated, it's just I just mean like I know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, but um, but it grew on me. I just yeah. actually I I grew to like the soundtrack and I yeah. Well, I like I th- the but I think I think it also beyond that surface level of of identifying the time periods, it also serves to develop the characters as well because mm-hmm. like I was saying, the 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 fathers always taking any opportunity he can to sing that one French song at Christmas time, and he he loves the Patsy Cline and. Um, and then for Zach, you know, he's kind of in trying to discover his own identity. He's he's discovering Bowie, and you know, then later in in the '80s segment, he's getting more into punk rock. And um, like, I don't know. I'm thinking, is that there? There was no. I don't think there was any Iggy Pop on the on the soundtrack. But mm. um, I don't know. Like whatever whatever those analogs were in the '80s in terms of the the kind of androgynous lifestyle that that bowie was leading and that bleeding into the punk scene i don't know enough about that to to say what those points are but i feel like i feel like that was being used to kind of express his identity further Mm -hmm. and um although with with the pink floyd one with shine on your crazy diamond there's a couple there's quite a few pink floyd songs i guess a couple off dark side of the moon and then the one off wish you were here but i i did question the movies um obviously that you know they they did their homework and uh, but i in the moment when i heard that song i was thinking oh that i thought that was later in the 70s that they came out because they specifically noted in that in that soon after that song came on the soundtrack that it was 1975 and i was like oh i thought wish you were here was you know like 76 or something (laughs) so i actually looked it up and and it turns out it was like it was around his birthday that he was listening to it which is in december and that album was released in september of that year so wow they were they were accurate enough to the to the time to, yeah. to make sure that they weren't using songs before they were actually released. Okay, and so it and so it even makes even more sense that you know that album would have been on his soundtrack at that time because it would have been it would have been the current Pink Floyd album. Yeah, you've been listening to Inside Pink Floyd <laughs> yeah. podcast about Pink Pink Floyd chronology. Um, no, that's that's a great observation. Um, yeah. And I, I yeah I think I think it the music choices work because they reflect the characters. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this at first. I guess it for me it garnered more sympathy because I because I like characters who like music I like right yeah yeah. So. <laughs> the, the what's the song that um, that Zach listens to in the bedroom with uh, with Michelle? Because he's holding up he's holding up one album, but then he's listening to something that's not on the album. Um, I don't know. Oh, it, it just uh, I remember it because. It's it's also used to when they have a reunion later, um, Zach and Michelle, um, who's she's like a, a girl from the neighborhood or whatever, just a school friend, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, when they have this reunion later on, like that, they're listening they're listening to that song again, or is it, or is it just maybe it's I don't on the I don't recall specifically enough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just but it was it was just nice shorthand to like signal to you that they're um, that they're remembering their their past because because yeah. uh, it was a song that's been established anyway. Uh, Sorry, yeah, and again, and, and again, I feel like that the the repetition of the songs also also helps to 
solidify the soundtrack because it's it's using the music to specifically reference different relationships mm-hmm. or or different different character beats yeah. and and establish that that certain cycles are repeating but then also changing nice. and I, I like I like I mean for me I, I like to kind of listen to music in a way where I where I kind of listen to a bunch of new music for for like a year or or and some indeterminate amount of time but then I, I'll kind of drift away from that music for a while and then I come back to it and it the, the music is so solidified in in my experiences that I was having at that time and so I feel like the, the movie uses it in that way as well and and, and allowing to um, allowing the characters to reflect on what's changing, what's staying the same, and, and the same as the audience, what's changing, what's staying the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to IMDb, the amount that they paid for all the music rights for this movie was $600,000, yeah. um, which, which sounds like a huge amount. But uh, I, guess, I guess that's what the price tag is when you watch like a Hollywood movie, which has all of the latest music um, or, or just all the popular music. I guess they, they spend millions of dollars just to but that's just a line item well. on a on a hollywood production yeah as yeah. opposed to probably being like a tenth of the of the potentially of yeah. the budget of yeah movie. i didn't look up i didn't look up what the uh production budget was for this but um uh but probably wasn't more than between five and ten million yeah so a sizable amount though was spent for the music yeah and and for a reason i think so i think yeah, yeah that's what we agree on yeah and on on that note um I was actually just having a quick exchange on Twitter with, um, uh, I guess, a fellow Canadian podcaster, Cameron Maitland, who hosts the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast that um, I guess has been going for over a year, but I only had discovered recently and uh, been listening to some of their stuff. But um, he was just remarking how how difficult it can be to, to find um to find certain canadian movies even though we're in canada and and you know the only option is to find get one of four copies at a library or rent it at a video store that may or not be open in six months from now kind of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i just i just remarked how we were trying to find this movie and um you know it's not available to stream on netflix or hulu or wherever it's not available to rent on itunes or nfb website or canada stream canada screens is that other streaming one um and then when i went to try and get it at the library all of the copies were in use went to black dog video they only had one copy and it was already in use Um, Mm. luckily you had been able to secure it at a different library location but it can just be so challenging to find these movies and um in that exchange i guess cameron was mentioning that it it actually the, the reason that it might not actually be on any streaming services is because of the music rights because i guess every time that it goes on to a new service they have to pay licensing for the movies uh, i don't know i you might know more about that i don't really know well i just remembered um uh from like the video store days um there was uh uh the coen brothers movie blood simple like that was that was unavailable for a long time um after i mean like after it was initially released and then it was on i think i saw it maybe on um on TV at one point. Mm-hmm. And then a big deal was made out of how it was being re-released and now it was available on DVD and stuff. And and when I went to see it, um, or when I went to re-watch it, I, I 
noticed that the music selection was different. Oh, really? Because because at some point they they yeah they didn't renew the rights for certain hmm. songs, so they they were only able to release it in a way with new with new material with new okay. um, uh, pop songs. So uh, so I had an experience where it didn't it didn't feel like the same movie that is, uh, that I had already seen because uh, because of that. Interesting. So um, so I, I guess I guess music is an is a, an expensive part of uh, the licensing of these things, and I guess that it sounds like it's true that if it goes from if it gets repressed or put onto a new format, it doesn't mean that uh, everything is cleared to for reuse. Yeah, I've never heard of that though. Just getting just re-releasing it with different music. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that the reason that they might have issues releasing that movie would be the um, the drunk guy in that in that tracking shot in the bar, you know, suing for uh, getting hit by the by the camera. <laughs> Although I, I, I guess it kind of lifts over him, right? Uh, I, just, I just really like that shot. I just wanted to mention yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move. Criterion on. released that recently. Blood Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you know if that has the original music in it? Probably. I yeah. think they would have yeah, figured it out away, cleared yeah. it by then. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Even uh, if you bring up since you brought up Criterion, even um, when Criterion made the when they started changing their catalog to DVD, like there was there was a lot of their old titles that didn't have the same extras. Yeah. Because the supplemental material had been renewed for a new format. So, Interesting. So that happens too. I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the tricks that uh, Jean-Marc Vallée uses um, because I think he I think he just has like a really confident hand in his in his uh, visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene there's a scene um, where young Zach is going to be sent to summer school to summer camp, mm-hmm. and he's he doesn't want to go. Um, and then it goes to a close-up of his mother um, uh, touching the uh, the crucifix uh, necklace with a crucifix on her neck, and it dissolves to the same necklace that Zach is wearing at camp. And I just I just loved how efficient that was in terms of progress uh, propelling the story forward because there would have been because there would have been a scene that. She um, she had to sit down with Zach and convince him that it's okay to go, and you're gonna, you know, and then this expo- this expl- explanation of how she'll always be there to protect him, and this this necklace will represent that. Right, right, right. All of that is is skipped just by going from this dissolve from yeah. the from that from that prop, and I thought like, man, that is like that's just really masterful. Um, then that uh, that crucifix also has, uh, then it's imbued with this meaning uh, about the mother's protective um, nature but then it, it then it, it has a double purpose because when he loses it um, while swimming um, from that he, he talks about how he's decided he knows now that he's an atheist so it's also this uh, it represents how he's lost faith in God and yeah and it's just it's just so it's just so efficient I think I've already said and yeah, I yeah. just um, so so I, I'm, I'm kind of um, really impressed by how uh, Jean-Marc Ballet works as a director. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, there. so there's, um, I think, two instances where, where Zach is wanting to, I, I guess, to, to use a, uh, a, a common turn of phrase, pray the gay away. <laughs> mm. uh, and he's not, he's not doing it in a religious context, but he's, but he's trying to think of ways that he can, he can sort of rid himself of this burden of, of being attracted to men, um, whether that is expressed as homosexuality or bisexuality or whatever it is. That's not, that's not 
fully explicit in the movie, but um, I guess I guess at one point he gets into an argument with his father, and and it, he sort of is leaning toward it, him just being homosexual, and 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 the relationship that he has with with a woman in the movie being ingenuine to some degree. But th- so so there's j- getting a bit far afield, but there's the scene where he's on kind of like a scooter or a motor not a not a motorcycle but like a motorbike or a, you know what i'm talking about just zach um, yeah and he's riding through traffic and yeah okay. um he he kind of he says like he says like if i could if i could make it through i would i would be absolved or or i forget the exact turn of phrase but mm-hmm. it, the, i guess the implication is um, he wants to try and speed through this intersection when it's a red light, and if he can make it through, then um, like maybe he'll be on to a new a new chapter in his life, and he he won't be burdened with these urges anymore. Um, but of course, he gets hit by a car that's crossing through the intersection, and um, the way that uh, the, and, and it, it goes into slow motion, and there's this there's this operatic music playing at the time mm-hmm. and then um later in the movie he's i think he was at a movie with the girlfriend maybe or he was just out to the movies or something but it's it, it's in a snowstorm i can't remember exactly how wh- where he comes from but he ends up in a record store and um uh, th- that's just a really really interesting scene and again in terms of just like the visual storytelling and um kind of implying implying things that the characters are doing off screen i guess to to relate to what you're saying about just that dissolve and the and all all of the all of the understanding that's imbued in that in that vision of the uh, uh, vision of the cross um in that scene he so he, go, he goes into this record store and he's you see him filter uh, flipping through the the patsy klein records and so he's trying to find this patsy klein record that he destroyed of his father's earlier, but again, it's this import. It's very rare. Um, but what I, what I really like about that is, um, without saying anything, you see that, Oh, this, this kid is obviously like just every once in a while, he goes into a record store and tries to find this record. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like what that, what that implies about, you know, that, that he, that he really does care about his father and that he feels guilty for this, for this selfish um, childish thing that he did in his past and, and wants to try and make it right. Um, and you know, how, how objects can, can hold so much history and, and memory. And, you know, if he can replace this object, then, you know, their relationship will be fixed and, and his, and his father will forgive him for, for, you know, the, the shame that he's brought on his family for, for being a homosexual. And, you know, they, there's just so much going on there. Uh, but then also in the scene, he sees at the back, he sees um, his cousin's boyfriend who they've, they've, they had earlier in the movie shared that scene where they're just smoking a joint, but they get close to each other because they're doing the, well, I guess what he calls a shotgun. Um, and as a, as an avid pot smoker in, in my own past, I, I can definitely recall uh, doing that, but it was always it was always male to female. It was never male to male, and so there's mm. certainly some sexual implication there, even though they think it's a totally normal thing to do. Um, I definitely I definitely felt kind of a, a homosexual undertone to those to those exchanges that they had. But I'm I'm kind of rambling here. But I guess in that 
after after he leaves the record store, this is what I really wanted to get to, is he's walking in the snow and um, he says, if I could if I could make it home alone or something like that, yeah, again, I would... The, if you if could he could get through the storm, through if the he, storm yeah. that, and he survives, then again, he would be absolved of these, of these homosexual urges. And um, same music comes on, slow motion, when he gets home. Um, and so I guess just the the... the the oral symmetry of using that music multiple times was really effective in those two instances. Mm-hmm. But, and then there's also the added sort of visual rhyming going on of seeing the overhead um, footsteps in the snow and that reflecting on the conversation that he had with the, uh, the mystic woman who yeah. says that there's a, there's a story about a man who, um, Walk with Jesus. who walked with Jesus and there were always two sets of footprints in the sand but at the hardest moments of his life there was only one set of footprints and um, he asked Jesus you know why why weren't you there with me and he's like well I was walking with you I wasn't I was there I was I was walking right with you not or I was sorry I was carrying you that's what he says um, so it's like he even though he's an atheist there's still these religious mm-hmm. He still is maybe spiritual in some way, and you know, does he have these magical abilities to heal people? And uh, there's a, there's lots of it's the the imagery is very dense, I guess. Which again, to what you were saying about that that scene with the cross, um, and yeah, just the, the, I guess I really like the music in in those two scenes. And I I, I wanted to, before we were recording, I wanted to actually look up what that what that musical cue was and what the, what the lyrics are. And if that has some more added meaning to it or whatever, but then what I didn't like is that he uses the song a third time, but it's not in the context of, um, of Zach again, wanting to rid himself of these, of these homosexual urges he's having it. It comes up a third time when they're home at Christmas or his birthday, whatever it is one year. And, um, he and and Raymond get into this back and forth, kind of making jabs at each other, like, "Oh, you were in jail. I bet you, I bet you really got got pounded in the ass or whatever." And and um, and Raymond is is just calling him a faggot and whatever. And um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be using that word, but they use it a lot in the movie. So they do. Um, uh, apologies to any listeners who might be offended by the use of that word, but can't take it back now. Um, no, no, it's not like I can edit these. Episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in that in that exchange, it it reaches a violent a point a point of violence where um, where Zach pours a glass of wine in um, in Raymond's face, which may maybe some religious undertones there in terms of you know Jesus turning water into wine, whatever. Um, he uh, and then and then and then Raymond flips the table, tries to come after him, tries to fight him, and Zach is just kind of sitting back, like happy to know that the brothers will will are going to hold Raymond back and not they they won't actually get into a fight. But I guess I'm I'm just confused as to why that same music cue was used there, because it's a completely different scene. Oh, okay. And, or or although although maybe maybe to a degree because maybe maybe it's trying to imply that Zach is now just accepting 
that he's a homosexual, but he's not really because because the way that the dialogue goes back and forth between him and Raymond, he is um, he's kind of presenting as that as that macho like you know I'm gonna call I'm gonna call you out for for some homosexual encounters that you might have had in jail, but that's not me, and so he's kind of denying it. So I don't know. I'm I'm just con- I'm confused as to why in in a in the context of all the other music cues being so precise about the character development and that kind of thing, I just I don't know why it was used in that third instance. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have to I have to confess I didn't notice that it was used at that time. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was the same one. Okay. So I, I it felt the same because it because again it was slow mo mm-hmm. and it was the operatic music. It it felt like it was the same cue. Okay. But I I, I guess I'd have to watch oh. again to be sure. It's a good observation. Um, so yeah, I, I can't comment on that because um, I know the scene. I know exactly the scene you're talking about, but I just don't remember how music was used in that yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Um, but um, just to follow up on some of what you're saying, though, um, I, I think you also started to uh, describe like how the movie, uh, the movie's treatment of religion, I think, is really interesting too. Mm-hmm. In that it's not used. It's, it doesn't try to be simple about it. It yeah. just it just lets uh, it lets the characters have their relationship with religion, and it doesn't. I think the way it says it to the audience too, it doesn't have any judgment. Yeah. Um, so it, it's which it, is rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't make fun of the characters for being religious, and it doesn't it doesn't actually position them as as being better. Yeah. Because of religion, it's just it's just a thing that the characters have, or or they have a complex relationship with it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that. Um, the the Catholicism is placed within just sort of a broader context of of spiritualism in a way because when he goes to the the, the psychic woman or whatever you want to call her I, I I I was caught off guard to to hear her talking about Christ because you would think that someone who is grounded in a in a different um, a different spiritual realm I guess wouldn't wouldn't really relate to Christianity in any way. I, yeah. ju- I just I, I wasn't expecting that. So it's just okay. it, it's interesting that the nuance that is that is portrayed of how how religious imagery and and um, and language can be can be used and repurposed and and it doesn't necessarily need to be black and white. Yeah, yeah. I actually know people um, who um, you know who who go to church and and then they have they know people who take a more mystical approach to it too. Like they believe like some people have instructions from God or that they have a gift to heal and stuff like that. So, you know, um, similar to uh, how, how these characters talk about it in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think that that does exist where you could have um, like the casual churchgoers and you could have like the more devout Catholics. And then you have people who like really believe in, in like the power of, of their religion too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think I think Zach's relationship to the religion is is also very nuanced because, like you say, he he discovers that he's an atheist. But um, I feel like that like that changes over time. And obviously, you know, near the end of the movie, he ends up in Jerusalem, and he he, he says in the voiceover that you know he was there for other reasons, mainly the to to explore um, you Club know some scene. some, some yeah. gay encounters but but he almost he resists that as well and mm-hmm. um so he's obviously still just very confused and mm-hmm. and um still developing as as an individual at that at that point but yeah. um he still does go through 
um, somewhat of a religious transformation in uh, in, in the sense when he when he goes out into the into the desert and um, kind of becomes parched and, and yeah. runs out of water. And I I I really liked how um, what I'm gonna the what I'm gonna describe. I guess um, I. I think maybe some listeners would say like, oh, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit too obvious, but, um, and it is, but I just thought it was very powerful in the movie is just this repeated, this repeated theme of Zach being carried, whether yeah. he's getting a ride from his brother or whether he's being rescued from the desert. Um, and uh, how that, how that um, reminds us of that story, the woman says about the about the man who was carried by Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever Zach is in a is in a is having a tough situation, uh, whether he's being being um, uh, ridiculed at school or whether he's he's about yeah, to die. Yeah, his, his brother picks him up in the motorcycle at one point. Yeah, it's just um, and, and yet he's born on the same day as Jesus. Yeah. So he should be the one doing the carrying, except that he is being carried. Yeah. And um, and I wonder if uh, if the movie is saying something about. Um, well, I guess I'm. I guess I'm, I'm. I'm asking, like, is the movie saying something about religion? Like, is is Zach's existence um, in his family, is is it about how God or Jesus or just like the the religious community is actually saving him, even though he's rejected them? Yeah, um, and I, I think that's it's interesting. I don't think, and I don't think the movie goes to any um, any. Um, place where it feels like it answers it it just it just presents it as like this question and i think it's really interesting yeah um yeah and the, the other thing i wanted to mention in terms of the religion is um even though he might have this sort of conflict as to as to whether or not he should you know like i guess at a certain point he says he only goes to midnight mass he doesn't go on a regular basis to church um and you know he's he's resisting it at various points but anytime that he's in a church he, it always it always feels like he's being welcomed by the people there and you know the the whether it's a priest smiling at him or a nun or whoever it is you know it, there there are there's lots of moments in the movie where there's just a there's just a smile or a glance that's exchanged between him and mm-hmm. someone in the church and and so yeah just I guess I guess just what I like most about the movie in general is just that nuance mm-hmm. and and the the ability to kind of fluidly transition between these different different understandings and different time periods and and that really reflects who Zach is as a person because he's he's really trying to find who he is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I wanted to bring it back to how we started, and and I said I I really like um, um, the director's handling of style. Yeah. And I thought like it was kind of invisible in terms of like making a thing that just it just feels like this this is how a movie should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you thought there was times when the style got in the way. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel. I guess I'm not. I'm not as sure of that statement now as I was when we started talking. But th- just that, like I was saying, that scene of the fight and using the slow motion and using that same music. Mm-hmm. Um, that not being consistent with its usage in the in the other two times in the movie, I guess I guess to me it felt like certain aspects of those stylistic flourishes were unnecessary and not specifically targeted at. Here's what I want to say. It's just I, I want to create a mood, 
and um, I definitely I, I can't it's you know it's been years since I've seen Dallas Buyers Club but um, I can definitely remember feeling a similar sentiment when I saw that movie but but more pronounced I feel like it's I feel like this movie is better executed than Dallas Buyers Club but that that movie felt like it had a lot of a lot of stylistic flourishes that weren't warranted for the story it was telling um, so I guess maybe maybe it was just more standing out to me because of putting it in the context of of this other movie of Jean-Marc Vallée's that I've seen but I guess I'm not as I'm not as I don't feel the need to to really voice that as a criticism for for crazy at this point okay yeah but yeah you, but you did um, your observation about that music cue though I think is uh, uh, is, is a good one yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that being one of his early movies it seems like it is so just so confident the way that it's put together uh, I, I guess it I understand why he is working in Hollywood because, and I don't mean it to be, um, I don't mean it to like denigrate what he's doing. I don't want to minimize what he does. Yeah. It just, it just seems like he's, you know, just a very good director. Yeah. Although I, I, I feel like it is worth pointing out that this is his, um, one, two, this is his fourth feature. Okay. Um, yeah. He's, so he's, he's working as early as 1995, mm. but yeah, still relatively early in his career. Um, one one weird thing. Did you notice that Raymond had a Confederate flag? Yes, in his bedroom. <laughs> yes, yeah. But then later was dating an Asian woman. Yes. <laughs> I think it's just a fashion thing. when I saw the initially when I saw the Confederate flag, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess there's racists in in Quebec. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. I think he was that's, just that's kind of what I, where my head went, just oh. in the sense of. Well, remember that this is taking place there's, in the seventies and eighties, there, but there's there's a sense of nationalism and segregation yeah. in Quebec. I don't know degree. if he, I don't know if Raymond was deep enough to consider yeah. all that it symbolized. Maybe he just liked Leonard Skinner, <laughs> or the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just I, I guess it just it. I just found it weird that that image was so prominently centered in a lot of shots. And then later on, he's, he's in a romantic relationship with, <laughs> with a non-white person. More of the nuances. The only non-white person in the movie. In I'll, contradictions I'll of the characters. Yeah. Or actually, no, not the only one. When he goes to Jerusalem, there's, mm-hmm. there's a few, there's that family that saves him. Saves Zach. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So what do you say? Fucking A? Yeah, this this is good. Fucking A. Fucking A plus yeah. even maybe. Ah, wow. Yeah, I mean, if I live with it a little bit more, I might upgrade it. Yeah. It's definitely fucking A. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I guess that's all I got to say. So I asked at the beginning, is it is it one of the 10 best Canadian movies of all time? Mm-hmm. I, I'd say I'm pretty confident to put it within the top 10 of movies that we've reviewed for the podcast. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Whether or not it ranks higher above other Canadian movies that I've seen that we haven't talked about. I don't know, but mm. anyway, it's kind of irrelevant. Although, no, no. although maybe it's somewhat relevant because I had, I did mention that I was wanting to introduce a feature to the website where we would get past guests and future guests and just people that we've encountered to offer up their own top 10 lists. Uh-huh. We could start our own best Canadian films. Right. 
ranked That's, a thing. That's list. a thing we could still do. We could explore that. Yeah. yeah. Also, we're trying to like um, you know connect with our uh, listeners and fans. Uh, yeah. Perhaps through Facebook. So yeah, that's a that's a place. That's a that's a forum you might make use of if you want to share your ideas um, for uh, these sorts of lists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right, that was a good one. The movie. I don't know about this episode. I just talked about the movie. That was a good movie. I think they were both good. Mm, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Our uh, other stuff you can find by us, uh, including uh, Alexander's. Written recaps about Nirvana, the band of the show, season Nirvana. two. Nirvana. Nirvana. I think it's Nirvana. Nirvana. I mean, they said Nirvana. They should make. Uh, they should make a series about um, about the Canadian animation industry and call it Nelvana. This this the show. The no, you're not getting it. No. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Other samples of our content are on our website www.filmedincanada.net. And uh, you can email us at filmedincanada at gmail.com. We would very much appreciate a uh, written review or just a simple rating on iTunes. And uh, if you do leave a written review and let us know about it through that email, filmedincanada at gmail.com, we will take your recommendation for a future movie to review on the podcast. We should make a list of the, uh, of the top requested podcast topics okay yeah so uh make We've only gotten a few <laughs> recommendations yeah. at this point but. yeah there's uh yeah there's choice one or choice two <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thanks alexander talk to you again next year uh okay, okay.